the Titans, the Mount Rushmore players we all know the names of. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers. Then there are the Giants hoping to join this group. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Nonetheless, you can't forget about these new guys hoping to dethrone everything those that came before them created and blaze their own trail into NFL history. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Mac Jones. Men that won't let you forget who they are. And if you do, they'll be more than happy to remind you. This is the show where we'll talk about all those legacies and so much more. We'll follow these storylines from the beginning of the season all the way to the climax of the Super Bowl. We'll see Giants fall and watch new men who you never expected to take over stand tall. Through adversity and victory, the NFL has it all. We will cover every minute of it here. No buts about it. special Sunday episode of No Butts About It. I'm here, Josh Butts. Uh, my co-host, Chuss, is here in his basement in Pittsburgh. And as you can see, he's below me. I don't know where is it, where he's appearing on your screen, but Joe Camo from The Cardinal Rule is here, and he's joining us to talk about the exciting hiring of your new head coach that is not the Bengals defensive coordinator it <laughs> is the Eagles defensive coordinator, uh, Jonathan Gannon. So I don't know much about him, admittedly. I assume you've done your research. In fact, I know you've done your research because you've been posting about him all over Twitter. So what are you looking for in him? And can you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah. So, you know, he's a younger coach. He was a defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, when he first took over, I think he brought them to having about the 10th ranked defense somewhere in that area. But last year, they were the second overall defense. Uh, and, you know, he, he did a really good job. But, you know, the Super Bowl, the way it ended, a lot of people made him the scapegoat. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's any shame in losing to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. That's going to happen. Um but, you know, actually, it's interesting. A lot of Philadelphia fans are like good riddance uh, and Cardinals fans are like, we'll take him. Um, you know, but he comes in as a defensive coach. And, you know, as, as I'm sure you know, um, the trend for a while has been offensive oriented head coaches. Um, so, you know, there's been some questions about that. There are some defensive coaches that have been you know successful. Mike Tomlin, Sean McDermott, uh, Bill Belichick. Although he, he does a little bit of everything at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so he comes in as kind of, you know, this hot shot defensive coordinator, young guy, uh, you know, spent time with the Vikings organization and the, and the Colts. I actually spent three years as a scout with the Rams, which I really like. That means he has an eye for evaluating players and understands that. And I think that's a big plus. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people are looking at the performance in the Super Bowl. And my perspective in general with head coaches when you're looking at the offensive versus defense, if you're getting an offensive coach and you're bringing them in, the most important thing is their offensive scheme that they run and 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 how they coach that up. And you, you're you bringing that guy in so that you've got that offense forever. You don't have to worry about people hiring away, you know, the architect of your offense. Whereas if you're a defensive coach, when you get a good offensive coordinator, he goes and gets a job as head coach and you have to start over again with, you know, your quarterback's coach and then he gets hired away. So I think that like the the scheme is really important with your hiring an offensive coach, but with a defensive coach, 
being the best defensive coach isn't enough. Like you look at Vic Fangio, very respected defensive coach, and you know just didn't work out as a head coach in Denver. So in my opinion, th- this is just my take, is when you're hiring a head coach who was a defensive coach, you're going more for the CEO, leader of men kind of thing, right? Which, you know, look at Mike Tomlin, you know, your coach, uh, you know, in, in your division, who I respect, you know, has never had a losing season. And you look at his quarterback situation this year. But, like, I don't know if there's a better leader in the NFL than Mike Tomlin. And I, I mean, just the, that intangible thing. And that's why, like for me, D'Amico Ryans was my top pick. Obviously he went to Houston, didn't even interview with the Cardinals because of that quality. Um, so I didn't know a lot about Gannon in terms of that regard. And through his press conference, you know, and, his, and the interviews and the, the things I, I've seen about him and, and heard about him, it really does seem that they identified him for that reason. And I've seen those things so far, at least I would say hopeful indicators that he really is that dude in terms of the leadership, that CEO type. So I think people who are kind of circling the drain about, Oh, look at, you know, he couldn't make adjustments in the Super Bowl, are missing the point. What he seems to be is a guy who comes in with the right philosophy for building a team is going to bring in smart people and get the right people in the right positions and be that kind of leader. And if he can pull that off, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the potential and the things I've heard so far, I really like, and I could go on forever on that. So maybe we'll break this up and I'll get to that. But there's some things I like about um, his general defensive philosophy. And there's some things I like about some of the things he said about the way he's going to build around Kyle and some particular things about that. And then, you know, he's brought in, you know, his offensive defensive coordinators already so far. And I, and I like what I see in terms of, or things I see about them. So, you know, I, now that I've gotten a chance to learn more about Jonathan Gannon, I'm, I'm really excited about the hire that I think he's going to bring the right culture, the right kind of organizational leadership. Um, and, it, you know, I think that 2023 is going to be a reset year, but I think if they get, if they hit free agency in the draft, right, they can be competitive in 2024 when Kyler's healthy again. So, something I've kind of been harping on is Kyler Murray. I am not a huge Kyler Murray guy. Mm. Uh, Chuss is smiling because he knows this. Yeah. I don't think he's necessarily the most mature player in the NFL. Um, I wasn't super impressed when he, like, held that press conference not wanting the, I guess, video game clause as it kind of came to be known. Um, and then there was obviously him and Cliff Kingsbury didn't always see eye to eye, which you're going to have occasionally, but it seemed they had that more often than a lot of coaches and quarterbacks did. Um, bringing in a defensive guy, a guy who hasn't necessarily worked with quarterbacks a lot, do you think that will be a problem with Kyler Murray and Jonathan Gannon? Do you think they'll be able to work that out? What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm not worried at all. And I listen, I'm I'm a Kyler apologist. Um, I think he is being I think I think that the criticisms are exaggerated and unfair. I think he is sort of a, an aloof kind of person, a little bit in you know, quiet. He's he's of his generation, but I don't think he's immature like people say he is, or he's, I don't think he's a bad dude. I, I mean, listen, I and I know you're a fan of this guy, so I'm not trying to pick take pot shots, but like like one Aaron Rodgers is prickly and mercurial and as, and, and, but you know, 
that's and you know Tom Brady wasn't always the easiest you know on his teammates to work with and you know Aaron Rodgers yeah. throws his receivers under the bus you know in the media like so like you know I I'm a university professor so I work with kids his age all the time so maybe that's part of the reason I'm just not put off by it because I'm like he doesn't seem unlike most 20 something year olds I'm around every day and I think it's just Listen, I'm older. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in the late forties. So I'm the, it's might be surprising that I'm the person who's like given, you know, like, Hey man, you leave the kid alone. But like, I just feel like it's a generational thing with a lot of people that there's different generation athlete. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I was talking to my friend, Kyler Bird and, and I was like, man, you know, every generation's, you know, thought the next one was going to hell in a handbasket since, uh, you know, since Socrates or Plato. And he's like, yeah, I think he probably thought Aristotle was, a, was, a, you know, a, an arrogant little prick. You know, it's, it's just like every yeah, generation yeah. thinks this of the next generation. Listen, does he have room to mature? Absolutely. Like Larry Fitzgerald, the poster child and epitome of class act was kind of immature when he came to the league. He's talked about it. Like it just, but like, he's not, I, I just don't think it's, it's really going to be an issue. He wants to win. He's driven. Maybe there's some things he needs to grow with. I, I but I, I, and I, you know, listen, you weren't impressed by that press conference. I really liked what he said, because I thought the thing that stood out to me about, and you're talking about the press conference after the, the independent study clause was removed and he came out and said, listen, I'm, I'm humble that you all think I'm that talented that I can perform without working hard. But I more or less what he said is, to me, that's insulting to the people I play against. Like he was giving credit to the players saying, for you to think I can just not work hard and not study film and come out here and perform at a high level, to me is not respectful of the players I play against. Like to me, that was a mature thing. Maybe people didn't catch that, but all that aside, right? Yeah, sure, he's got some room to grow. Everyone does, right? Uh, but in terms of your question about the defensive-minded coach, there was something that Jonathan Gannon said in one of his press conferences about Kyler that really I loved to see. He said, I'm going to build an offense around Kyler that uses his skill set. Kyler Murray is a problem for defenses. Mm -hmm. And and what I'm going to do is I'm going to build an offense that uses his skill set to create problems for the defense. And I'm going to prepare him for how defenses are going to attack him. So like, there's something about that that makes me think maybe Gannon might be just the right guy because he's a creative defensive coordinator who didn't run a defensive scheme. He ran a multiple front sort of defense that used his talent and adjusted to his talent and to the team he was playing against. That's the thing he talked about in his press conference. He said, I don't run a scheme. I look at the players I have, what they can do, and then I look at the matchups I'm going against, and I put a defense that's right for that, right, in multiple fronts, adjust as needed so i think that adaptability which is again a word he used in his press conferences i think that's that might make him just the right guy he's going to build an offense instead of coming in with a system like cliff kingsbury did and fit kyler in your system he's going to find an offensive coordinator who he's hired you know uh, drew petzing from uh from the browns uh the quarterbacks coach there he's going to have him work with him to build an offense that works with kyler and his skill set and instead of trying to fit Kyler into a system, he's going to construct a system that uses Kyler's strengths and then teach him how, hey, I'm a defensive coach. This is what I'm going to do to you when you're running this offense, and this is how you're going to counter it. So for me, kind of excited about that. That's that's a really good perspective. I like that. I hadn't heard that yet. Um, 
That, that is a good point, though, that he is going to be able to know how they're going to attack Kyler Murray. And I do want to clarify. I don't think Kyler Murray is a terrible person or anything. <laughs> like, sure. I'm sure. Not, I'm going to take like... that segment, fl- spread it out there. Josh Butts says Kyler Murray is the worst human since. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I get you. No, I get you. I there's just, nuance here, right? Yeah, I just think there's a <laughs> sort of you want your quarterback to be likable because then the free agents want to come play for that guy, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I say this is media and fan narratives, right? I mean, Patrick Peterson's been chirping against the Cardinals since forever. So I don't take – I take that with a grain of salt. I think Patrick Peterson has a legitimate gripe against Steve Kime, and that's who he's always kind of said was his main issue. But I don't know, man. There's, like, players who play with Kyler like, dude, he's – no problems right now. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Um, so I actually did want to ask something um, just kind of like going off like the coaching and, and whatnot, um, like when it comes to free agency, because I know obviously like on your own show, you, you talk about mock drafts and stuff, and we can always discuss that briefly on this show as well as talk about that for in the future and whatnot. But I kind of want to know, we, we, we're kind of, I know you touched base briefly on free agency. Do you think like in your opinion, as of right now, obviously there's still time to maybe make signings and whatnot do you think that there is like a specific player that uh he should go after to benefit kyler murray's offense more or less just like kind of is there anybody that you saw that you think would be a pretty good fit per se for his offense so i i think what kyler murray needs on the offensive side of the ball is an offensive line that isn't decimated that to me is number one thing um, and then they need to bring in a running back to add one to two running backs. I like James Conner. Um, I think he's great in short yardage. He's a better ball uh, catching up the ball than people think, but they need a speed back and a change of pace back. Um, and they, they need a rotation of backs in case he gets injured. So they need to add a running back. You can do that in the draft, right? Um, one to two running backs potentially. And they need to fix the offensive line in terms of like pass catching weapons. You know, if they trade Hopkins, which is rumored that might happen, like, <clears throat> you know, DeAndre Hopkins met with our new general manager, Monty Austin Ford, a week or two ago, and they discussed his future. And no one knows <laughs> except for Hopkins and the people in the front office what what those discussions Straight led to. to the so, no, 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 no. You guys do not because need they more need water more receivers. Yes. Because yeah, that's because... what they need is more receivers, right? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a Madden franchise at that point. Right. You were talking about Madden earlier before, you know. Right. Just... But like, so if okay, if they trade Hopkins, they need, I think they probably need one more pass catcher. But if they keep them right now, at least I don't think they do. Here's what you need: you need a good defense so that Kyler's not having to play from behind and play hero ball all the time. Right. So it, oddly enough, paradoxically enough, fixing the defense is one of the things he needs. And you need a good offensive line and add a running back literally on day three of the draft. If you do those three things, Kyler Murray with a good offensive line, with a defense that doesn't require him to play catch up all the time, can work with Zach Ertz, Trey McBride, Hollywood Brown, Rondale Moore, Greg Dorch, and either Hopkins or some other receiver that you bring in. Yes, eventually you'd like to improve that receiving core, but you have to take these kinds of things in stages. You only have so many draft picks, only so much you can do in one year of free agency. So in my opinion, pass catchers is the low one of the lower priorities right now. It's that offensive line. If you can fix that, get a running game, good defense, Kyler can make it work with the guys that he has right now. 
I'm surprised you say that since AJ Green just retired. <laughs> because he brought so much for the team hey. last year. <laughs> I, 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 just, I love Green. He was a, he was a professional, but he he didn't do much this last year. The year before, he was yeah. pretty good. I still he's a weapon though, and he's a guy defenses mm-hmm. have to worry about. And I kind of feel the same way about JJ Watt because JJ Watt mm-hmm. obviously wasn't in his prime when he was with the Cardinals, but at the same time, he's JJ Watt. So. Mm-hmm. You've got a you've got a double team to block him because he will decimate yeah. you. And I'd imagine if I'm Jonathan Gannon, I'd be like, "Can you come back for one more year, please, JJ?" Yeah. Like, that's a guy I'm sure every defensive minded coach has wanted to coach for years, and you have gotten the opportunity. You know, I, I know in Bengals land, you're used to having three all pro wide receivers, but most teams mm-hmm. in the NFL, if you stack their their pass catchers against Zach Ertz, Trey McBride, Hollywood Brown, who is better than people think, Greg Dorch, you might not know who he is, but that dude, when he gets a chance to play is good. Rondale Moore and Hopkins, if they keep him, that's better than most mm-hmm. pass catching units in the NFL. If you take away a Hollywood Brown, Ertz, McBride, Hollywood, I'm sorry, if you take away Hopkins, Ertz, McBride, Hollywood, Brown, Dorch, Rondell Moore, and let's say some other journeyman veteran or rookie is kind of middle of the pack-ish, low end of the middle of the pack. But if you're building around a good defense, have a good running game, and have Kyler Murray as a weapon, like you can make, like look at like, like throughout most of his career, Russell Wilson's pass catchers, right, were not all that. So I listen, I would love to have better weapons, but for me, you got to do these things in stages and priority one is that offensive line. Got to fix the offensive line. It was horrible. If you fix that, you can work with those pass catchers and a running game of defense and then eventually get the, 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 the playmakers. But it, you know, right now with the way that offensive line was, you bring in pass catchers and they're, he's not going to have time to get it to him, you know? Let's say, hypothetically, DeAndre Hopkins gets traded. Mm-hmm. What, what do you want for him? Oh, well, I'll take the next four first-round picks uh, for the for the team and, and then their best three players. How about that? I mean, give me an open-ended question like that. I'm going to take – but oh. maybe let, let, me, let, me, let me answer a different question. Is what do I think is realistic and that I'm willing to accept and not walk away, right? Um, I did a video on this looking at his trade value and I looked at the, the trades of other receivers in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. And, you know, I took into account age because that matters in this, even though, you know, he, listen, Hopkins is one of the best receivers in the league, but he's going to be, you know, he's in his thirties. And, um, the, the closest comp was, was Devontae Adams and Devontae Adams was still at the time of the trade. And you have to look at the time of the trade, right? Because even though they're about the same age now, time of the trade, he was about a year and a half, I think younger than Hopkins will be at the time that of a hypothetical trade. So, you know, that was what a first round pick and I think, and change, right. And I, I don't have it in front of me. So a late first round pick. So um, in a vacuum, I think Hopkins value is like a late first round pick or maybe early second, but the free agent class and receivers is not good this year and the draft class isn't as good as it has been. So there is a scarcity factor in here that, that Hopkins value might be higher than people think. I'm leaving that as a possibility because if you're a team out there, a contending team, you're like, we want to trade for a receiver or we want to acquire a receiver and add, you look at the free agency market. It's like, eh. you look at the draft class. Eh. You're like, okay, well, 
okay, Hopkins might be worth a first and a, a fourth or a third or something. So listen, if you ask me like objectively in a vacuum, I think it's a early second, late first is probably his value. But uh, it wouldn't shock me if he went for a first and change because of the scarcity of the position right now. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's interesting you say that. I'm just kind of going off on that. I like when I was looking at um, kind of like mock drafts and whatnot, mm-hmm. just briefly, not too long ago. I know that um, Jordan Addison is like pretty high up there, I and like I yeah, and I I also really like Jordan Addison. And I know that the thing with him is like I feel like a lot of other teams really want him too. And like I know I think he's like one of the top wide receivers coming out. So if if it's only like him and like maybe two other really top wide receivers and there there are a lot of teams that could use a wide receiver. So um, I definitely agree with the, the Hopkins thing because it, it was a very similar conversation with um, a couple of years ago. I think actually probably last year with quarterback situation like mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett was one of the, was the top quarterback out of the last year's draft. And like, you know, I, I mean, you know, I, nothing against Kenny, but like obviously like in years past there had been like quarterbacks that had gone like first you know 10 or whatever and it's like you're like joe burrow and then you have like you know lamar jackson and, or and like patrick mahomes some of these players are going like a lot higher up than um kenny pickett and then I, there was another quarterback drafted until like later on so it was it was definitely um it definitely was kind of similar to last year because it obviously we had that big russell wilson trade and a lot of these other crazy trades last year so I, I it's a good thing to keep an eye on for everybody uh listening out there it's definitely might be something interesting to watch come uh trade time well if you look at the draft last year i don't know if that was a one-year blip or if that was a trend and i'd be interesting to see but like receivers i mean they've always been important but their value seems to be going up because like i remember going through mock draft season i do a mock draft monday live stream on my youtube channel so we're doing mock drafts every week and just learning about the prospects and running different scenarios and i remember like there was a point where like Jahan Dotson, right, was a receiver, was looking like a second round pick in mock drafts. And then there were word from some of the, the folks that cover the Cardinals in Arizona, like John Gambadora, a guy that everyone in Arizona kind of knows, you know, he's a local radio, sports radio guy there. There was a report from him. It's like, hey, the Cardinals really like Jahan Dotson. Don't be surprised if they take him at 23, I think is where they were slated to pick. And my first initial thought was, oh man, that guy's like a early second rounder. I would rather take, you know, uh, uh, you know, this guy or that guy. And I'm like, all right, but you know, okay, I guess that's who the Cardinals like. So I started mocking him there in, in drafts and then like come draft time, Washington takes him at what 17 or something, 16. Yeah. Right. It's like, and then you start seeing these receivers go off the boards like, Oh my God. And then, then, then you see that both of the Browns get traded, right. AJ and Hollywood. And you just see, that guys you thought were going to be second round receivers are going in the mid to late first round guys that you thought be late first rounders were going early first round. So is that a blip or is that the trend? Because if it is this, this receiver draft class, it isn't as deep as last year's was you're going to see those guys, you know, uh, like Addison gone really early (coughs) and then maybe teams might be coming after, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and offering, that that mid to late first round pick that they were hoping to get, you know, one of those receivers, but they were long gone. So, yeah, it's you, you mentioned last year with the, the quarterback and with the receiver. There's a trend there that we have to watch and see if it continues this year too. 
Yeah, that, yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I mean, the drafts are always interesting every single year, but like I noticed in years past, it always seemed like there's just always like an abundance. But like over the last couple of years, it almost seemed like in certain positions there was less of an less of an abundance, more or less, or like not as high profiled players as in years past, more or less. So, what if the Bears come to the Cardinals hmm. and they say? We'll give you the first rounder plus, I don't know, something else or DeAndre Hopkins, but maybe a pick next year or a player, probably not a super high end player for that number one overall pick. Wait, wait, wait. So the, if the bears I offer that, the number one I overall, said that really weird. If the bears, I'm like, wait, you want to give me one overall for Hopkins deal? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was, I was going to say, I feel like if anybody did, <laughs> Just for absolutely, overall, you wouldn't want more. Oh, yeah, I would think no. I mean, that more. no, like that number. Like, if you look at trade value charts <laughs> that, like, you know, that have the points assessed to them, like mm-hmm. that number one, th- that number one overall pick, its value is so crazy outsized compared to any other first round. Like, it, it drops from like a what is it, 3,000 points very quickly down to like 1,500 points. It's it's worth so much. Um, I mean, I, you know, obviously if, if you're the bears, there's no way you would do that. You would trade it for multiple first round picks, but if they want to offer that, I would trade it to get that. And then I'm trading it to whoever wants a quarterback and getting like, you know, a, a King's ransom. So, right. uh, but absolutely you would do that. Um, that's <laughs> the, yeah. In fact, when I did the video on Hopkins trade value, um, I did, I didn't put this in my video, but I, in a spreadsheet kind of calculated the point value of the trades for guys like AJ Brown and Hollywood Brown. And, and only one receiver that in that was traded had a total point value that exceeded the number one overall pick. And it was Tyreek Hill. And his was a combination of multiple seconds. And, you know, it just added up to that, but every other uh, receiver that was traded when you add up the point value of the total trade package it was like a mid to late first round pick at most so that first overall would be uh very much uh, like a, a, a one heck of an offer for any receiver in terms of the value i mean i'm just thinking of teams that need uh wide receivers yeah. and the bears are definitely up there as probably the most they are needy team I can think of off the top. Yeah, of that. I think I, with the Bears, if the Bear, I mean, so many people have kind of mocked that, you know, and uh, or suggested that as a destination. You know, if Hopkins wants to go to a contender, I don't. I mean, I know that they, you know, a lot of people like Fields, but I don't know the Bears are that much closer to being ready to contend than the Cardinals are. Um, you know, yeah. so but if you did that, you're looking at the, their second round pick and change is what they'd be offering. There's just, I think, you know. GMs are realistic and like, you know, Monty Austin Fort knows that if he calls asking for the one overall, uh, the bears, okay. might, Oh, so you're doing a trade swap. You're giving us three and taking one and Hopkins, right? Because the, he'd be laughed if it was a straight up and any GM, would, you know, it's just, yeah. it's not a realistic request. Um, I, I mean, I think people have talked about more realistic options. I think people have talked about the Patriots, you know, the, there's a lot of respect between Hopkins and uh, Belichick and you know so that that could be one though you know people say well they're not their quarterback situation is up in the air so why would he go there I still think with Belichick you just trust that him and an average quarterback he'll find a way but uh some people talk about the Chiefs as a possibility um 
Yes. Yeah. yeah but that, yeah, that would be that would you, be very you want a dangerous. Chance next year, that don't would be you? dangerous. Yeah. I want yeah, it would Bengals, be dangerous. I want the Bengals to win a Super Bowl eventually. Yeah. I, right. <laughs> I do not need D Hop on the Chiefs after Mahomes <laughs> made Juju look great. Right. Right. Mm. Um, the Chargers are another team people have talked about. They were there were reports of them. Uh, you know, the, the mm. Jaguars. You know, go with his mm. former teammate. You know, Christian Kirk. So. You know, those are some of the teams. Um, I think, you know, after coming out of the meeting, it sound, seemed like Hopkins was happy with the meeting just in, in social media posts. You know, how much you can read of that, I don't know. But he he, ha- he hasn't been coming out, you know, making any negative uh, posts or anything. And I think if there was an agreement that they were going to trade him, I think they probably talked about where and he felt good, like the Cardinals were going to do him right. Um or maybe what came out of the meeting is he's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm here for this, right? We're going to bring in a coach and I'm here for this. And, you know, my, my position on whether the Cardinals should or shouldn't trade him is pretty simple. If Hopkins in that meeting was like, no, I want to be here, then you keep him. If he was in that meeting saying, yeah, I want to move on, you, you trade him. You don't want a guy who, around who doesn't want to be there. So you go with what he wants. That that's that's my position on that. Yeah, that's a fair position, I think. <laughs> yeah, and and like you said, there are so many options for Hopkins potentially because even like obviously the teams that really need him, but there's always that team that may not necessarily need him. They might have some solid wide receivers, but might just want to add that extra firepower veteran like really good player. I mean, I kind of want to relate it a little bit to Julio Jones, but also Julio Jones has not been playing at the same level as like D hop has been over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. But I remember when they were both fire plugs in the, uh, yeah. in the, uh, in the league at one point. So, but I mean, there's definitely going to be a team that even if it's not somebody that desperately needs one, that might make a pretty fair trade for hop. I mean, I feel like even, from a Steelers perspective for the bears. I know the bears, like we got like a second overall pick. Well, it's technically a, a late first round because Miami doesn't have a draft pick, but um, they gave us a second round pick for chase Claypool. And I didn't think chase Claypool was that good of a receiver. Yeah. So, and I think Deandre Hopkins way past, you know, chase Claypool. So if you can get a second round pick for chase Claypool and with like the demand of wide receivers there, honestly, Arizona might be in good shape. You know, you just got to see, I mean, if you're willing to keep D hop or if you're willing to potentially make a different um, trade and make a move and then maybe get a couple picks out of it or some players or something. So it, it could be, it, it'll be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting. Yeah. To see you have happens. to be careful with comps like that because you have to look at multiple comps because there's always an outlier you know, whether it's bad or good, like that they, you know, I think most people would be, they overpaid for Chase Claypool. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and then there was a trade for Muhammad Sanu. That was what a second round pick a few years back. That was an overpay. Uh, and then, but then you see, you know, like uh, what's his name? Uh, he was <laughs> with the Raiders and then the uh, uh, played the college at Bama. My brain's not working. Then he went to the Cowboys and now he's with the Browns. He was oh, traded for like a, Mari Cooper was traded yeah. for what, like a day, th- a day three pick. Yeah. And there, there were other things yeah. involved, like the contract and everything. So you have to look at what this is, you know, listen, I see a lot of fans, you know, kind of sometimes being a little, they're looking for the comp that suits what they want. It's like, well, you know, they look, so if they, they find the most or least valuable comp, 
and you have to, that's why when I try to look at these things, I look at multiple comps and I, you know, this is, you know, I'm a sociologist, so I look at data for a living. Sometimes I'm understanding how to look at outliers and, and kind of pushing those out of the way and looking at larger trends. So with comps, you gotta, you gotta take a little bit broader picture uh, because you can always find that one case that supports your narrative, you know? Yeah, the confirmation bias in the league right. is huge. Um, Especially fans are the worst. Yeah. We, we are the worst. Yeah. I mean, and that's I count myself makes, as a fan, so that's what makes it fun, though, too. So yeah, <laughs> I always say fans are gonna fan. That that's especially that's what when I you're say. right. Yeah. Uh, something I just <laughs> thought about mm-hmm. was so I'd imagine DeAndre Hopkins is at a point in his career where he's looking for that Super Bowl ring. Mm-hmm. He's likely a Hall of Famer, maybe not a first balloter, but I think he's built a good enough resume to where he's going to be a Hall of Famer eventually. Super Bowl ring really puts him over the top. Does like Jonathan Gannon coming in just fresh off of a Super Bowl leading part of the team as the defensive coordinator? Maybe he stays and he's like, hey, hey, let's see what this guy's got. Do you think there's anything to that at all? I mean, I'm just kind of spitballing here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there could be, you know, I don't think it's ever as simple as, oh, he was just in the Super Bowl, so I believe he can get us there. Right but that's a part of it. Like, okay, well he was part of a super bowl, you know, a team that made it a super bowl. So he's been part of a, a culture and organization that did that. Um, you know, I think, I mean, I have to imagine at some point, unless it's foregone, a foregone co- co- uh, conclusion, they're going to trade him. I think he's going to meet with Gannon. And I think that meeting is the most important thing. Cause you, you meet with someone and you get a feeling, right? right? Whether that's, whether that's rational or not, Right. You get a feeling. Do I think do I trust that this person is going to take us to the promised land? And, you know, you know, my hope is that that he would uh, feel that way and that that would be the reality. Um, So, you know, I mean, I think that 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 will get his attention. Okay, like if I could see a scenario where Hopkins was like, no, I think I want to I want to go. I want to be traded. And then they hire this guy. He's like, huh, well, he was just in the Super Bowl. I think I want to meet him and have a conversation with him. Right. I could see a scenario where that shifts his opinion. I'm not saying that it will or won't. And maybe he's already decided he wanted to, you know, sign on to continue with the Cardinals. Um, so, you know, it could be a small factor, but I think the bigger factor is going to be the impression he has of the GM and the coach uh, after meeting them. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. I don't know if you have you have any more you want to say hype up your uh, <laughs> YouTube. I'm going to put the link in the description for the video. Okay. Well, yeah. listen, I could talk football all day. I so, could okay. Too. We're at 30, okay. Let, 33 though. So, okay. Let me, let me, uh, let me give you one last tidbit and then I'll give you the plugs. Why I'm one thing I'm hopeful about with the offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, the guy they're bringing in. Uh, Cause I think it didn't really bring this up. He's, he was the quarterback's coach with the Browns was previously the tight ends coach. And I look at what one, he did good work with Jacoby Brissett this last year, but also look at what like Cleveland did kind of, you know, people don't talk about this enough, what they did making an offense that made Baker Mayfield efficient in that one year, that was his best year, a lot of bootlegs to kind of get him out. So he could see half the field and a lot of heavy running game. And, I just look at that and like, okay, look at what Kyler Murray's limitations are. Okay, sometimes seeing the middle of the field with the linemen in front of him is an issue, right? And then what happens is when pressure comes, 
he doesn't stand tall in the pocket and throw the ball. He hits the eject button. Well, if you're doing bootlegs that are rolling him out, that kind of helps address both of those problems. He's already out of the pocket where he's he's dangerous, and he's not having to sit there and wait and then hit the eject button. And he can see the field better. Those linemen are all, all right in front of him. And it's like I just think if they if they if they were able to build an offense that worked for Baker Mayfield and this coach was steeped in that system and brings that kind of approach here, I think they're going to do some things that are going to really work for Kyler Murray that I'm excited about. So that's my last little football nugget. But uh, yeah, the Cardinal rule on YouTube, find me the Cardinal rule. Uh, you know, I, I, I launched this a couple of years ago, just before the draft two years ago, I do Arizona Cardinals content. I do live streams, podcast style like this. I do shorter analysis videos. I just did one where I did, looked at the, the, uh, the draft history of where Monty Austin Fort kind of cut his teeth to try to project how he's going to approach the draft for the Cardinals. Um, so a lot of different stuff for Cardinals fans, or if you're just a general NFL fan who likes good t- content for any team, you know, check it out. And, and you're a big data guy. Love data. I am. You mentioned you're a sociologist, so you've got yeah. kind of. I got a little quantitative training in the background. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll do my plug then for this show. Uh, the Instagram is no butts underscore show. The Twitter, which is my Twitter, is Josh underscore butts underscore 2001. You can email us at bullmoosepodcast2 at gmail.com. Someone emailed us and they said, like, sometimes you're really exciting and then sometimes trust sounds really monotone. So <laughs> really did I that did somebody like, actually email that? Yeah, they we need to balance out our tone and tempers, I guess. Oh, I I guess I must be exhausted on certain days, but I mean, I guess I guess that's how it is. <laughs> I I guess I I'm, I apologize. Like We're both, yeah, it'd be We're like both that. College students, these professors are wearing us down. Um, yeah, just a little tad bit. <laughs> so the, uh, the YouTube if you're watching the video, you're already there, but it's no what's about it. Please uh, like, comment, subscribe, do all the things. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to go subscribe to the Cardinal Rule, Joe's channel, and uh, subscribe to our channel as well, please. So uh, that's going to be all for today. I hope you all enjoyed the show, and go do something nice for someone.